Um, tonight's scripture is from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 through 24. If you're using one of the church Bibles, it is on page 801. If you need a Bible, we encourage you to please take this home as a gift from Cornerstone. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands. Submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. The word of the Lord. Well, not, not too many people left, so that's, uh, that's an encouragement. Uh, so today's sermon is the first sermon of a, a two-part series like Andy introduced on marriage. And uh, all I have to say to wives is that you're awesome, the end. That's, uh, that's it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, we are going to get a little bit more uh, deep into it, uh, but when I did tell a couple of Cornerstone women about my plan to break this week up and preach one week on wives and one week on husbands, they were a little nervous, uh, uh, mostly because they told me. Uh, and so if you can think that you're nervous, well, you can imagine I'm nervous to, to preach on uh, God's calling to women and to wives. Uh, I am not a woman, clearly, uh, and yet I have one. I'm married, um, but I think the best thing to do is to, <laughs> is to try to just preach what the Bible says, right? Ephesians 5, uh, 21 through 24. Um, I, I think the, when, when coming to a sermon like this, it's easy to kind of uh, get caught up into things like uh, gender stereotypes or kind of adding extra biblical lessons in. And I think the, the, the thing that we need to do is just focus on what the Bible says, see what the Scripture says, and then just wrestle uh, with that and let the Bible speak for itself. And I really wanted to slow down and focus on each role uh, this week and then next week. Originally, I thought I could do it all at once, but I was just there's just so much here, uh, and it's an important topic that I think impacts our everyday lives. And so I really wanted to focus. Um, and the only reason that we're uh, kind of talking about the wife's role first is because that's what comes first in the text. Next week, we'll talk about husbands, but for this week, ladies first, uh, we will preach on your role. Uh, so before we begin, let me just say a prayer and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, uh, please guide my words uh, as I speak today. Uh, help each one of us understand our God-given roles in marriage, whether we're husbands or wives, uh, whether we're married or not married. Uh, it's important for us to understand your word uh, so that uh, if we're married or we enter into marriage or if we have friends that are married, that we can support them. Uh, we want to live life your way because we know that you designed life, uh, and so you know how it's supposed to work. So help us understand your word. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. So marriage really does start in Genesis, Genesis chapter 2, and there we see God's design for marriage, God's plan for marriage. Uh, but as we go through the scripture, it continues, and we begin to see it in other places. And in the New Testament, Ephesians 5, uh, verses 21 through uh, 33 are really uh, kind of the place that you go 
to find out about how God designed marriage to be, how God designed it to function. Uh, And so uh, as we approach this section of Scripture, uh, there's lots of different ways that we could take it. And actually, one of the ways that uh, you read this and understand this passage is, is, is formed through which translation of Scripture you use. And so we as a church, we go through the NIV, uh, but there are different translations. The ESV, for example, maybe if you can look down at your, your text, you notice that there is a header there in the NIV. It says, Instruction for Christian Households. Well, right after that is verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So you see this general call to submission. If you look in the ESV, they have a header in a very similar location, but just one, uh, one verse past this. So after verse 21, it just says husbands and, and wives. And so when you start reading this section, you say, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. And maybe that doesn't seem like a, a big deal to you, but I think that actually is a big deal because in one translation, you're going to start by thinking about kind of general overall mutual submission. And in the other translation, the ESV, you're going to start with the wife and her role to submit to the husband. Uh, and so uh, which one is correct, right? Where should we start reading? Well, actually, in the original Greek manuscripts, there are no headers. (laughs) Those are something that we have put in, in the modern English translations. And so a better way to understand this book is to look at it grammatically, to try to understand it according to its original flow. And so if we look at the word for submit in verse 21, in our NIV it just says submit, but a better translation is actually submitting. So submitting to one another. Because it's this like ongoing word, this means it's dependent on something that even comes earlier. So if we track back even earlier, we got to look for the, 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 the command that's closest to this. We actually go all the way back to verse 18. So if you're looking down at your Bible, at the end of verse 18, it says, Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. So be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul is speaking to the church. He's telling them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then after that, verses 19 through 21, it's saying kind of how you do that. Uh, The things that occur as we are being filled with the Holy Spirit. You're speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs. You're always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. You're submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So, the point is that to be filled with the Holy Spirit, or as we are being filled with the Holy Spirit, part of that is this process of mutual submission. And that leads me to my first point, that within the church, we are filled with the Holy Spirit as we submit to one another. So, Paul, before he ever gets into the individual call to submission, talks about submission as a whole in the church body. It's this general call, this general attitude of mutual submission that is to be kind of pervasive in the church. See, as believers, male, female, young or old, elders, deacons, church leadership, longtime church member, uh, uh, newcomer to the church, 
all the different uh, uh, types of people we can think of that come and are a part of a church body, all of us are to have a general heart of submission. Uh, kind of this, this air of submission, this mutual submission should, should saturate our church. And this should create a sense of peace and calmness as we listen to each other and as we are willing to hear each other out and as we value each other's opinions and thoughts and how the Holy Spirit is speaking to each of us. I believe that the Bible is saying that as we do this, we are posturing ourselves to be more attentive to the Holy Spirit, to be filled with the Holy Spirit as a church body in a special way. Now, I was actually trying to think of uh, examples of mutual submission in the church body, in our Cornerstone Congregational Church body. Uh, and this example actually begins with someone in this church, Molly Crawford. Now, your eyes just got a little big. I want you to know, Molly, I called your mom and I told her about this illustration. And I said, you know, can I use this illustration? Oh, sure. Why don't you ask Molly Crawford? She's like, no, it's fine. You should just use it. So I want you to know that I asked her to ask you and she said, just go for it. Now, some of you may notice this beautiful new church carpet that we have. We got this new carpet in the fall thanks to the deacons. Now, here's the story. Behind the scenes, the deacons had narrowed this carpet down to two different choices. There was this choice and another choice. Now, Molly looked at the options and said one is clearly better than the other. And so she wrote a letter to the deacons uh, explaining why her choice of carpet was the ideal choice. One of Molly's reasons, I'm sorry, I'm going to embarrass you here, uh, is that she thought, you know, the other choice would clash with her future wedding dress. Uh, and that's, that's a very strong argument. I think that's a strong argument. Like, that's, that's going for the heart. Uh, that's, that's pretty good. So she wrote this letter to the deacons, and she created a petition. And she took it around and had some of the other youth sign the petition. I think my wife signed it. Uh, people signed it. So I think this is actually a great example of a teenager, a youth in the church, having her voice heard and being a part of the church body. Now, the deacons received that letter. They received the, the petition, and they thoughtfully considered her request, but they decided to go with their choice of the carpet, which was not the one she wanted. I'm sorry, Molly. But the deacons wrote Molly back a letter thanking her for, uh, for writing a letter, for caring, uh, and assuring her that on her wedding day, people would not be looking at the carpet, but her in her beautiful wedding dress. I think that's just a great example of like the deacons and one of our teenagers just showing an attitude of mutual submission within the church body. Now, uh, you know, listening to each other and caring about what each, each other thinks and, and valuing each other and not necessarily agreeing and yet still finding unity and an attitude of mutual submission. So thank you, Molly and deacons, for being a great example of uh, mutual submission in the church. Within the church, we are filled with the Holy Spirit as we submit to one another. 
Now, I think Paul writes this here, uh, it's because as we're submitting, we're being filled with the Holy Spirit, but I also think the only way that we can submit is through the Holy Spirit. Like, we can't truly submit to one another unless the Holy Spirit is here and is present. And so it's kind of, it's kind of a both and. As the Holy Spirit is, is filling us, we're able to submit, and as we're submitting, we're, we're being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we can't submit without God's strength and without God's help. And as we transition from talking about the church as a whole to, to families individually, it, it still applies. We still need the Holy Spirit to, to come and to help our marriages, to help us fill those roles that God is calling us to, to submit to our husbands. And I think verse 21 kind of functions as a transition Paul navigates kind of from the church, and he begins to talk about the family unit. He talks about husbands and wives and children. Now, I read uh, Bernie's uh, sermon. He wrote a sermon over this passage, and I really liked what he said in this section. He said, there will be no peace in the church if there is no peace in the home. So home is a part of the church, and so we need to have peace in the home. And how do we do that? By fulfilling our God-given roles. And now let's turn from the general, the church, to the specific, the family. See, God calls wives to submit to their husbands. We're going to look at verses 22 and 23. But first, verse 22, it says this, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Now, in our culture, I think it's fair to say that this is rather offensive. This is countercultural. This is not popular. I remember at one of my brother's weddings, his bride's sister gave a speech. She gave a speech. She was the, the maid of honor. She gave the toast. And in that speech, she reminded her sister-in-law, well, my sister-in-law, her sister, to be submissive to her husband. She was uh, referencing this passage. Now, I didn't think much of it, but a couple days later, a guest who was at that wedding spoke to me, and she was disturbed, disturbed by the, the maid of honor's toast. She questioned if that is what she really meant. She really say wives are supposed to submit to their husbands? And I, I said, ah, it's, she probably hadn't meant that. <laughs> Everything's fine. I was wrong. <laughs> that's, that's, that is what the Bible says. The Bible does call wives to submit to their husbands. And so we need to understand what is this call? What does submission look like? If wives, if you're expected to, to live this way, to, to act a certain way in your marriage, what does that look like? I've uh, kind of summarized it as four different things. The first one is this. Submission recognizes and affirms both leadership and responsibility. Verse 23 says this, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. So what does Paul do? First, he calls believing. So this, this message is for Christians. He calls, he calls believing wives, submit to your husband. And then he explains it. He, he explains it, he grounds the reason in the husband being the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. Now, there's been a lot of debate recently 
over what this could possibly mean, that the husband is the head of the wife. It's the Greek word kephale. Now, it could literally mean like uh, you have a body, right? It's, there's a literal interpretation for head. Clearly, it doesn't mean that. So what does it mean figuratively? What is Paul trying to say here? Well, since about the 70s, 70s and 80s, some have argued that head can mean source. Now, because God made Eve out of Adam's rib in the garden, he is her source. So imagine, for example, a spring. So the spring is where a stream starts, right? So the husband's the spring and the wife is kind of the stream that comes out of that. So what this does is it means that this passage is not about leadership. It, it kind of, it, 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 it reinterprets from its traditional historic understanding. Now the problem with this view is that it seems to bypass what the verse itself is saying about Christ being the head of the church. There's more to it than just being the source. Christ leads and loves and nurtures the church. I also don't think this, this takes into account how Paul uses this word head earlier in the book of Ephesians. We can, we can see a use of it in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. Paul says this, And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. So what do we see here? We see headship being, uh, being uh, equated with rule or leadership. Now, the word itself for submission has nothing to do with inherent value. In other words, men are not more valuable than women. They're both made in the image of God. We're, we're equal in value in God's eyes. But the word for submission does have to do with rank, that God has given more authority and responsibility to husbands. That doesn't mean that God has not given authority and responsibility to wives. He certainly has given a, a great deal. But he's just given more authority and responsibility to the husband over the family. So, this idea of submission and what submission means also lines up with this idea of headship or leadership. But what about this usage? So if we look at chapter 4, verse 15, it says, it says this. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow up to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. So is this really talking about Leadership, or is this talking about something more? I think it's talking more about responsibility. The exegetical commentary, it says this. It says, regarding headship, it says, There is a dual notion of leadership and provision. Christ not only gives guidance, direction, and inspiration for his body, but he also provides strength, help, and sustenance for his people. Thus, headship is not just about leadership. It includes that, but it's also about uh, provision. It's about caring. It's about nurturing. It's about uh, responsibility. It's not just rank. A husband is responsible before God for his wife and family, for their spiritual growth in Christ Jesus, for their general good. So what does submission do? Submission just recognizes this. It recognizes both leadership and responsibility, and it affirms it. I wanted to kind of give an example, like an everyday example of what submission might look like. And I ran into an example from Kathy Keller. 
so maybe you know Kathy Keller is married to Timothy Keller, a uh, famous church planter in New York City, and they wrote uh, this book called The Meaning of Marriage. And in it, she gives an example of submission during a tough life choice, so an example that she had to uh, go through. So I just want to read it to you. In the late 1980s, our family was comfortably situated in a very livable suburb of Philadelphia, where Tim held a full-time position as a professor. Then he got an offer to move to New York City to plant a new church. He was excited by the idea, but I was appalled. Raising our three wild boys in Manhattan was unthinkable. Not only that, but almost no one who knew anything about Manhattan thought that the project would be successful. I also knew that this would not be something that Tim would be able to do as a nine-to-five job. It would absorb the whole family in nearly all of our time. It was clear to me that I wanted Tim, that Tim wanted to take the call, but I had serious doubts that it was the right choice. I expressed my strong doubts to Tim, who responded, well, if you don't want to go, then we won't go. However, I replied, oh, no, you don't. You aren't putting this decision on me. That's abdication. If you think this is the right thing to do, then exercise your leadership and make the choice. It's your job to break this logjam. It's my job to wrestle with God until I can joyfully support your call. Tim made the decision to come to New York City and plant Redeemer Presbyterian Church. The whole family, my sons included, considered it one of the most manly decisions he ever did because he was quite scared but he felt a call from God. At that point, Tim and I were both submitting to roles that we were not perfectly comfortable with, but it is clear that God worked in us and through us when we accepted our gender roles as a gift from the designer of our hearts. Now, chances are, well, I guess many of your husbands have helped start a church, uh, so maybe there is some, uh, some application there. Uh, but maybe your husband is thinking about a change of jobs or, uh, or moving, an equally important decision. Well, God can lead him through that decision just as much as God led uh, Timothy Keller through that decision. Submission recognizes and affirms uh, leadership. But there's more to it than this. Uh, there are different aspects of it. In fact, submission itself, there's a certain quality about submission, there's a certain characteristic of what it is. And this leads me to kind of the second aspect, that submission is full of respect. There's a certain quality to submission. I want to actually jump ahead to verse 33. And I'm going to put it on the screen or you can look uh, down at your Bibles. Verse 33, however, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. So this comes at the end of our passage. There's uh, been the role of the wife that's come, the, the role of the husband, and this kind of is a concluding passage. The wife must respect her husband, kind of summarizing it. Submission and respect, they go hand in hand. Uh, I think that submission is, uh, respect is a, a pretty good gauge of submission, so if your husband feels mocked or disrespected or chastised, I think chances are you're not submitting to him. But if he feels respected and honored, even in the midst of disagreement, even if you're not seeing eye to eye on things, I think it's much more likely that you are obeying God's call to submit. There's a certain quality 
to submission. Submission is full of respect. Now, submission, I think, has been called a lot of things, and I think I need to clarify something that submission is not. See, submission is not the same thing as obedience. Submission is not the same thing as obedience. I think this needs to be said to all present and future husbands in the room. Husbands, you are not called by God to make your wife submit. That doesn't appear anywhere in the New Testament. It's our job to make them submit to us. Next week, we're going to be looking at the husband's role, and the husband's role is to love his wife as Christ loves the church. There's much to it. Uh, There's much more to it than that. We're to love our wives completely self-sacrificially, not enforce their submission. See, submission is never about petty demands. It's never about not being able to disagree. I believe that the the Scripture is is allowing for, uh, for wives to be an important part of the leadership of the church. Maybe you've heard the, the passage from Proverbs, iron sharpens iron. Well, that passage doesn't apply just to men. <laughs> it applies to men and women. It applies to spouses, that there can be a give and take, that husbands and wives should and can make decisions together. Now, children are called to obey. If you look at chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Women are called, wives are called to submit. Children are called to obey. So I think it's important that we need to recognize that there is a difference. That doesn't mean that obedience will never be a part of what submission is. Uh, At the end of the day, the husband makes the final call on some decisions, but many decisions the wife will make. But whenever the husband has to make those hard calls, it should never be about himself making the call to benefit himself, but the call to benefit his wife, to benefit his children. So submission does involve deference. It does following, it doesn't involve desire, uh, following the, the lead and desire of another, but submission is not the same thing as obedience. And then fourth, submission has its limits. Verse 24 says, wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Oh, it does mean everything, but elsewhere, Paul says, there are some limits. See, Paul wrote a similar passage in Colossians that says this. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. This implies that there are things that are fitting to submit yourself in. What could those things be? Well, acts of obedience to God, righteousness, holiness, seeking to live a life that honors Jesus Christ. There are some things that are not fitting in the Lord. Sin, disobedience to God. You should never submit to your husband in disobedience to God, in sin. We see this in Acts chapter 5, verse 29. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. So, wives, you're called to submit in everything to your husband unless that includes sinning, unless that includes disobeying God. Husbands, if you are disobeying God, if you are leading your wife into sin, you should not expect your wife to submit to you. 
For her to submit to you in that would mean that she would stop submitting to Jesus Christ. And I think a question for wives is, is your husband actually disobeying God or is he simply not choosing your preference, what you would prefer? Uh, Each situation is different. This is why we need prayerful discernment and speaking with a trusted biblical mentor who can help you discern that. Is my husband leading me into sin or is this just something that I need to go along with? It's sad that I need to say this next part, but I have to say it. Sin is also physical and emotional abuse. Domestic violence is sin. Wives, you are not called to submit to a husband who is abusing you. Please know that you have an advocate in myself and the other elders and the deacons and the staff at Cornerstone if you're experiencing domestic violence, if your husband is physically or, or spiritually, emotionally abusing you, please come talk to us. We will help you get to safety. Domestic violence is not welcome at Cornerstone Congregational Church. Domestic violence is from the devil. Physical and emotional abuse are from the evil one. This will not be tolerated. Submission does not ever mean control or possession. And men, if you're an abuser, one day you will stand before the living God and you will have to answer for every act of abuse you have done. And so, uh, if that's you, repent and beg the Lord for mercy. Submission has its limits. Wives are not called to submit to their husbands in sin. Now, Lord willing, none of us are experiencing physical or emotional abuse. And we can happily submit to our husbands because your husband is loving you like Christ Jesus loves the church. And we're gonna talk more about that next week. But maybe your husband is not doing a great job of loving you like Christ loved the church. Maybe he's not doing a good job of leading you into spiritual growth. Maybe he is a mediocre husband (laughs) and you don't feel like submitting to him. Well, as long as he is not leading you into sin, that does not change Jesus' call. Jesus' call is this. Wives, submit to your husbands for him, for Jesus. Verse 23 and 24 say this. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Our passage, as we look at it, do you notice how many times it talks about Jesus? It just speaks of Christ and the Lord over and over again in these couple verses, 22 through 24 and 21 as well. See, this act of submission ultimately, at the end of the day, is all about Jesus Christ. It's not about your husband. It's not even about your marriage. It's about Jesus It's about the gospel. Gospel means good news. And when you, as as a wife, when you submit to your husband, you are actually like painting a living picture of the gospel. Like the gospel is playing out in living motion. The gospel is this idea that Christ Jesus, the Savior, loved his bride, the church, and laid down his life for her and is leading her into to life, to joy. 
And so in submission and leadership between husband and wife, we actually see like the gospel message played out in living colors. And so when you submit, even when it's hard, I think people are catching a glimpse of the Savior. And I think that's a really powerful thing, that there's something going on there that's spiritual. See, salvation is the good news that Christ Jesus, he, he loved a lost and broken people. He, he loved us enough to leave the glories of heaven and to come and save us from our sins. And, and the interesting thing is that whether you're a man or a woman, if you believe in Jesus, if he's your savior, you're his bride. <laughs> so I'm a bride. This church, we're a bride, right? And Christ has come to save us and to lead us forward. Now Jesus, he didn't buy a ring. <laughs> he paid a much steeper cost. He paid the highest cost. He paid the cost of his own life on the cross. Jesus knows that it's really hard to submit. <laughs> Jesus knows it because even Jesus is submitting to his Father as he goes to the cross. The night before his crucifixion, Jesus is praying this prayer, Luke twenty two forty two. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Jesus knows what it's like to submit even when it's hard. And Jesus' perfect submission, his absolute perfect submission, won us eternal life so that we can be saved, so that we can be forgiven. So if your husband isn't worth submitting to, or if he's doing something that you're like, man, this isn't a great for our family, but I'm gonna submit anyways, remember that ultimately at the end of the day, you're not just submitting to him, you're submitting to Christ Jesus. You're submitting to King Jesus. There's a passage, 1 Corinthians 11, 13, 3, that talks about that. Husbands submit to Christ. Wives submit to their husbands. King Jesus is always worth submitting to. You can always trust him. So my big idea, the, kind of the closing idea is this, just this. Wives, submit to your husbands for Jesus. When Monica and I got married, uh, we wrestled with whether or not we would include this passage from Ephesians in our wedding ceremony. Uh, it's not really in fashion anymore to promise your wife to love her unconditionally or to promise your husband that you would be subject to him. That's the words that we used in our uh, I think it was their declaration of intent in our wedding ceremony. We didn't put these words into our wedding ceremony because they're popular, but because they're in the Bible. <laughs> and honestly, Monica and I didn't really know what this would look like. We just said, we're going to put it in there, and we're going to seek to obey it day by day. Uh, and that's what we can do as followers of Jesus. And honestly, we're still figuring out what this means. We're figuring out what this looks like. Uh, submission and leadership, like a marriage relationship, it is not a destination. It is a journey. It's a journey of figuring out this call. Uh, but I can tell you from my own marriage that as we've tried to fill these biblical roles, as we've tried to obey God's design for marriage, it has made our marriage better, and it has made our marriage sweeter. And I know that this is true for many of you as well because you've shared it with me. 
so I'm going to just say a closing prayer. But if you want to talk more about it, please come talk with me after the service. And I can point you to some Cornerstone women, uh, some wives who have a lot more experience in this than me. And I'm sure they would love to, to sit down with you and talk about uh, this passage more personally. Um, let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this call. This is a challenging call, but uh, it's a call that you call us to, and so we can do it uh, through your Holy Spirit. I pray that um, you would help all the um, present and, and future wives in this room to, um, to submit to their husbands, and I pray that you would help all the husbands lay down their lives and, and love their wives uh, like Christ Jesus has loved the church. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you that we as the church are your bride. Uh, we are so grateful that you have paid the highest cost for us. Please bless this offering now and our, our closing song. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.